Welcome to the Tools for Today's Farmers podcast, brought to you by the Purdue Extension Farm Stress Team. Our podcast will cover current issues in farming and will provide insight from a wide variety of experts in agriculture. Now let's get farm strong. Hello, and thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Rachel Dilhoff. And I'm your co-host, Abby Heidenreich. And today we are happy to have Ed Sheldon here with us. And Ed, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. My name is Ed Sheldon. I work with the Ag Safety and Health Program at Purdue. Uh, my title is Agricultural Safety Specialist. I've been in this particular position in about four years, but I guess my background in safety and health goes back a little farther than that. Back in the, a long time ago in the 90s, I was a, I did grad work and worked for a couple of years in a, in a similar type position. Uh, life kind of brings in a circle. And a few years ago, I found myself back doing safety work again. So Nice. Now, are you a farmer yourself? I am. No, I grew up on a livestock or primarily hog farm, went to Purdue, worked in extension for a while, and then spent about uh, the better part of 15 years as a landscape contractor in my own in family business. And as things happen, life bounces you around, and uh, I spent a little time with the, the State Department bag, uh, and then found myself back at back at Purdue a, a few years ago. So, yeah, I've always been close to agriculture, but I don't claim to be a farmer. I, I live on two acres that are cut out of somebody else's cornfield. So, that's... <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with that. That's a uh, less maintenance uh, for you then. <laughs> so. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, so in your line of work, you do a lot with farm safety. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that experience or and some common or maybe some not so common farm safety issues that you see? Okay. Well, it's not a secret that farming and agriculture is, well, for years, we've said one of the most hazardous industries in the country with, along with mining and construction and I was did a presentation the other day just to and just to double check some of this where the accident statistics were at this time and it looks like unfortunately we're unfortunately in the first in that top spot now is probably the most hazardous industry in the country considerably significantly higher now as far as the death rate than construction and mining and transportation which are the other biggies I don't want to get hung up in numbers suffice to say it's a it's a hazardous hazardous industry a hazardous hazardous occupation we have some aspects unique to agriculture that farming that wouldn't apply to any other industry uh, probably the probably the three big things I can think of first would be regulations or the lack thereof uh, most farms are not subject to OSHA oversight unless they have more than more than 10 employees. Does that make farms safer or less safe? I, I don't know. I don't want to, I, I think there's a difference between, you know, you, you get into regulation, then you're looking at, at compliance as opposed to safety. Um, there's a lot of overlap there, but there's sometimes we get hung up on the compliance issue as opposed to just operate working in a safe manner. So I'll kind of leave that, you know, trying not to put an opinion there one way or the other. Uh, but where it does kind of create a, where it does create a challenge is for our injury surveillance. So we know where the problems are. 
Um, any other industry, if somebody's injured on the job and it, it requires, I think it requires medical attention or has uh, use, lose a half day at work, it has to be reported to OSHA. And so most other industries have a whole lot better handle, especially on non-fatal injuries than we may have here in agriculture, just because they're not reported. Fatal injuries we can usually pick up in the newspaper uh, or off of off the internet, but because they do tend to make the make the local news. But a right. um, couple other things, we're also very unique in that we're the only industry that kids are routinely and a part of life um, involved in actual farming operations. I grew up in in it. I'm sure some of you did too. It's yeah. just it's part of our life, but. There again, it's unique in that we're the only industry that kids are typically out there doing what might be considered a hazardous hazardous task or hazardous job on the farm. And unfortunately, we have we lose lose young people every year in Indiana and across the across the country. Again, not trying to you know, it's a it's a fact of life. We just I, I think we need to work to well, continue to focus on making making our farm safer for for young people. Definitely, I think. Being one of those that grew up on a farm and was always very actively involved, there was always a an understanding in my family when we're outside, you know, you have to pay attention to what's going mm-hmm. on. You have to be aware. You know, it was one of those things where if someone yelled at you to stop, you were to freeze. You were to stop. Just yeah. stop moving. Uh, because there's something going on that you can't see that someone else can see that's very dangerous. And you it's it's literally a very dangerous situation, not necessarily life or death all the time. But, you know, if yeah. there's something going on that you're not aware of as a young child uh, and it's happening and someone yells at you to stop, it's very important for you as a farm kid to listen to those directions and to be aware of your surroundings. It's one of those things that I think somehow always makes farm kids a little bit more mature than maybe some other kids their age because they are involved in a lot of dangerous activities. And you do have to pay attention. You have to be more aware of what's going on and you have to really use your critical thinking skills really in essence, just not to get hurt. Yeah, it's part of it. And, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. It's just one of those, you know, (laughs) it's, it's a part of life in order to enable that next generation to take over, you know, a lot of farming, it starts really young. You know, my brother and I both, we started out on the farm very young. Our house is on the farms, you know, you step outside and you're on the farm. So there's always something going on. You live and work and play is a, as a Absolutely. kid on the farm and it was work, always work interesting it's... too because we were always taught you know if you get it out you have to put it back away and you know that's a concept that's very common in you know raising children you know you pick your toys up and things like that but on the farm it means something different it means if you're in the shop and you pull out a hose you have to put it away because mm-hmm. something or someone could trip on it or it could get chopped in half there's a lot of there's a lot more implications to following directions, cleaning up after yourself and being responsible at a much younger age for a farm kid than necessarily a, a non-farm kid. But it's so important to talk about safety. And I remember being in high school and we would, as FFA members, go talk about farm safety to elementary school kids. But it's so important to stress that idea of farm safety and how each 
you know, piece of equipment operates, where those pinch points are, animal livestock safety. There's so many different things that we need to be talking about on the farm, um, especially if we're going to have young kids around. You know, a lot of times adults, we think we know it all and we think, oh, we don't need that shield on the PTO or, oh, you know, it's fine. It's worked this way for years. I don't need to put that guard back or I don't need to wear gloves or it's uh, it's turned off. I don't need to unplug it type thing. And mm -hmm. that's where we we end up getting ourselves hurt. You know, we have to recognize that we are not larger than life and we are just as susceptible to these injuries and these accidents, which in reality, they are accidents. No one goes out and intentionally is going to, you know, rip their arm off in a PTO, but it's, yeah. it's something that we have to pay attention to. And we have to realize that we are not above getting hurt. <laughs> well, it can happen. Yeah. Like you say, it can happen to anybody. Um, you know, we monitor and surveil injuries and fatalities here in the state. And, you know, we have lifelong farmers who know everything there is to know yep. um uh, you know as well as kids we also see and we also see a an excess or a disproportionate number of elderly farmers which is another thing that's unique to agriculture this right and whether we you know we get to a point we lose a step or whatever um and just maybe don't have the reaction time um but we do see a and you know, other industries don't have that right. 70 year old guys typically aren't working on construction sites right but, yeah but, definitely. Uh, and the farm and in your statistics and uh, the things that you watch are is there an uptick in accidents in fall and spring there used to be a very clear peak in the fall during harvest time the last few years we really haven't noticed it that as much um, okay We've looked at that and, you know, maybe that's just an anomaly for a few years. I don't know. Yeah. But um, as technology is and farming equipment has become much safer and, you know, the harvest equipment's definitely, you know, we're not, most of us aren't using corn pickers. That, right. That eight arms for. Right. <laughs> on a regular basis. We're just not seeing quite that, that peak that we would have seen. Right. I didn't know if you ago. would see the correlation because you know we talk about that a lot of with the farm stress topic is you know when you're busy and when you're go 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 constantly on the move and constantly busy that's when you're more likely to have an accident is when you're not paying attention or you're you know you're focused on other things some things that you normally would stop and do you don't have time uh you know things like that and 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 I don't think there's a thing wrong with focusing on that even though maybe it's not as obvious or not as right evident as it was maybe 40 40 years ago um it's still it's still a valid thing we do yeah we get busy in the rush times we tend to get corners and that's yep. that's that's where we get caught and get hurt yep definitely well definitely. and uh you you're talking about these statistics and i my mind immediately goes to where are these housed? I mean, is is there a website or is there any one location that would have some of this information uh, where where we might be able to go and check that out? Well, for Indiana information, probably the we publish every year a summary of Indiana fatalities and kind of a short summary of non-fatal injuries. But like I said, those are tough to tough to 
keep track of, but um, that can be found at our uh, Indiana Prepared website. It's inprepared.org. Here at Purdue, we also every year do an, a national overview of confined, ag confined space injuries, grain bins, silos, manure pits, and so on. And we have a website dedicated to that, agconfinedspaces.org. National statistics, the National Safety Council's injury facts site is where I get the numbers, and those are some NSC numbers and Bureau of Labor, Labor Statistics numbers and so on. Those are the biggies that I use, but I'm sure there are some other other sources as well. No, I, I think that's great because um, it it's fascinating, and the numbers are a lot higher than I I even thought and than a lot of people really think about because you're in like you're in the moment. You're not really thinking about those numbers. You're thinking about getting the task done, so... Yeah, and that's the same for all of us. I mean, when I do get out on the farming, I don't farm myself. I still get out in family and so on. I don't think about, I think if if we thought about how dangerous it was, I suppose, would we ever go out there and work? But, and we do put things, and you know, kind of put things in perspective. Yeah, it's a hazardous industry. And I, I don't like, you know, I try not to get hung up on numbers, but I think the latest numbers were about 20 deaths per 100,000 workers or 22, I think it was 22 or whatever on an annual basis. Well, the death rate for vehicles is about 13. Most of us that don't work on farming or construction or one of these hazardous jobs face a lot more work, more hazard, more danger driving back and forth to work than we do at our jobs. Right. So, I mean, we try to keep things in perspective that way. Yeah, it's a very hazardous industry. And there's there are days that, I, you know, I, how did I live this long? How, how did I right. how did I survive being a teen on a farm? But, right. Um, so, you know, we try to keep things in perspective. Yes, it's hazardous. But, you know, there are most of us do make it through one way or another. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Well, and another thing I want to shift gears a little bit um, based on an, an email that you had sent us uh, prior to this interview. You talked about said in here dealing with disabilities within a farm family can create major stress, uh, especially for primary caregivers. Now, that's something I thought was very fascinating for a couple of reasons, because first of all, I'm, I have a daughter who's autistic and we live out in the middle of nowhere and we're very far from resources. And I would imagine a lot of farmers, if they come into a situation where maybe a child or family member gets injured on the farm and they're disabled and they have to go back and forth, or maybe it was something that just a, a family member has a disability and they have to navigate around that. Could you give us a little bit more information about, I don't know, either statistics or resources or how that could impact a farm family? And and I, I threw that out because the, the Agribility Project is part of our farm safety and health program. And I kind of work both sides. I work the safety and the agribility side as well. For many years, we've had some resources available specifically for caregivers of family members with disabilities in on farms. And okay, we've already talked about farm safety and that you know people get injured on farms. And a significant number of our clientele, not just here in Indiana, but around the country, sure, uh, have been injured in farm farm accidents, but not a majority. I mean, most of our clientele will have, uh, you know, whether they're traumatic injuries, they, you know, farmers face and farm families face the same hazards anybody else does, whether it's automobile accidents or 
know, this time of year, people fall out of deer stands. I mean, we've got several clients around the country that have fallen out of deer stands. Issues such as heart disease and arthritis, diabetes, aging, aging, you know, catches all of us, we hope, at some point. It, disability is a common issue among, you know, farm families. And I suppose, you know, it's, if you're looking at traumatic injuries, maybe, you know, maybe the most visible, say a spinal cord injury or something, you know, somebody's all of a sudden has to use a wheelchair for the rest of their life. You know, that can create tremendous stress within the family, especially if it's the primary farm operator. How does, how does the family adapt? Um, typically, the spouse takes on the role of the, the primary caregiver once that, once that individual's home and out of re- rehab, it's a different world. So how does agribility come into the picture there? Well, for one, we're working with the individuals themselves, you know, the individual with the disability to try to help incorporate assistive technology or work practices, connect folks with resources that are that can help them. We're not a funding organization, but we do try to connect folks with programs like vocational rehabilitation or private sources. ACER SEALs, nonprofit organizations such as that. But then we have some resources available just help caregivers themselves. You know, typically, again, typically it's a spouse. Now, when you say assistive technology, what do you mean by that? Assistive technology is any type of technology ranging from very, very simple to quite complex that can help someone with a disability complete a task that they might not have been able to do so prior to. Big example that, you know, would be for, for farmers or uh, lifts on combines or tractors. If somebody uses a wheelchair, they're, they're a tractor lift. But it can be a whole lot simpler than that. You know, modified hand tools, you know, you get right down to it. Eyeglasses are a type of assistive technology. So, again, can be very, very simple to inexpensive. A lot of the a lot of the assistive technology out there on that farmers use that maybe, you know, maybe might be available commercially now. And we try to direct people to those sources. Most of the time was created, some farmer created in their shop. Right, right. And then somebody took it and maybe commercialized it. And, you know, sometimes things that get built in farmer shops aren't necessarily the safest. (laughs) (laughs) Adding a layer onto our safety discussion. Yeah, yeah, they they get the job done, but it might be a little sketchy. But but yeah, so a lot of the things that we recommend to folks are, you know, whether it's hand controls or different types of tools, kind of stuff that somebody else's, some, some farmers figured out in their own, in their own shop. That's pretty cool. And oh, it is. I, I guess reaching these individuals, because I, I know some farmers in my family that are very um, stubborn, I guess is the best way to say. And stubborn farmers, imagine that. I know it's a, <laughs> it's a weird thing, but it, I, I hear it happens. Um, but do you work with doctors directly to let them know of this information that farmers might not seek out on their own? Um, we, as Agribility, have relationships with several of the which rehab hospitals around the state and the country. Which here at Purdue, we are we not only have an Indiana Agribility Project, we're the home for the National Agribility Project, which means we support the twenty-one other state projects and try to and provide services for those states that don't. Um, but we try to make sure 
um, that some of the rehab facilities are aware of our services and also physical and occupational therapists. We provide trainings and make those folks and those and those occupations aware. And we have typically have OTs attend our um, sort of like our national training workshop that we have every year. Um, we'll have OTs from around the country that may or may not have a familiarity with agriculture. That's that's the thing we have a lot. What we try to do with agribility, there's a lot of incredibly talented occupational therapists, but they may not have a, a clue about agriculture. And the same goes with say, state vocational rehabilitation right. counselors and so on, where we, our staff, can come in and have the understanding of why a automatic gate opener might be a beneficial and help keep a a cattle farmer employed and in business and make make their life incredibly incredibly easier so that's that's yeah. how our, where our role comes in oh that's neat so if i were let's say i was a, an occupational therapist listening to this if i would go to the agribility website i could get more information and, and maybe like see who i could contact to get more information or attend a training or something like that Absolutely. Um, our, our website's agribility.org and it's A-G-R-A-B-I-L-I-T-Y. Sometimes folks put an I in there instead of the A. I do the same thing once more. It took, took me a while to get used to it, but um, it's A-G-R-A-B-I-L-I-T-Y.org. We have tons of resources on that site from ranging from what would have been originally printed materials, and could, we have a lot of printed materials still available, but everything we have printed is also available online. Plenty of uh, about 100 and probably 130 or 40 archived training programs, uh, videos, uh, all available there, uh, ranging on from topics, a whole wide range of topics about disability and agriculture. So tons of resources available there, and then also if somebody's listening from another state besides Indiana, uh, access to how to get a hold of resources in your own state. And as I said, there's 21 states with an active agribility program now. Um, that contact information is all there. And also, there's a, your state doesn't have a program. There's still plenty of resources in your state. Is just and we do try to connect folks with state agencies and nonprofits. Lots of information there. Yeah, yeah. definitely. It sounds like it. A lot of times. The stories that we hear of people overcoming their disabilities are very inspiring. Um, have you had any experiences with some of those truly inspiring farmers? Yeah, we have, you know, again, clients across the country, had the opportunity to work with several of them. And it just, it, it's very, very humbling. It is, you know, makes, makes you realize how lucky you are <laughs> with some of the experiences these folks have been through. As I mentioned, our national training workshop, uh, we had our last spring, last March in Madison, Wisconsin, which was the first time we'd had one for a couple of years because of COVID. It was a, a very neat experience. We probably had 100 clients, about, about that many staff and outside professionals. So a couple hundred people total, but just, you know, like like a lot of conferences, the you know, you, you, we have our sessions and then they're educational and all that, but the sitting around and visiting the hospitality room is where, where the where the real things happen. Yeah, <laughs> and just definitely. visiting with folks and hearing their stories, it's the positivity, you know. Right. Things that, you know, you think maybe you want to crawl in a hole, you know. Right. 
Uh, these folks have found a way through it. Not to say they didn't go through challenges, because I'm sure right. they did. Right. Uh, but they found a way through it, and very inspiring to if it's to anybody, I would think. Um, yeah. Definitely to me. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's the thing that you know we always like to uh, end our podcast and talk about some positive things. So, what it, what are some of the things that you're most hopeful for as it relates to farming or agriculture? I guess I'm at the age now where I can say that the younger generation, I mean, I think we've got to, you know, agriculture has its challenges. It always will. Farming will have always have its challenges. There's always going to be weather. There's always going to be market challenges and so on. But I think we as an industry will continue to confront those and move forward. Again, I mentioned the younger generation a couple of weeks ago. I had the chance to spend a couple of days at the National FFA Convention. And yeah, I guess that's, you know, <laughs> Okay, that's the generation that's going to choose my nursing home. So, you know, <laughs> really good to see that they're that they have you know, just a huge number of young people coming into this industry and great potential. So, I'm optimistic. I mean, as again, I said, we'll have we'll have challenges, but I think the the industry will continue to to grow and prosper, and will yeah. it has for eons, and I think we'll continue to do so. Yeah. And something I, I meant to ask at the beginning and I didn't get to, um, so I'll, I'll ask now, but what is something, because we all face stress in some way, shape or another, you know, uh, what is something that you find helpful in dealing with your own stresses? Um, I'm probably a bad example. I've been, I've had some challenges over, over my time. I think I mentioned that, you know, life's kind of put me in some directions I didn't necessarily expect, personal and professional. I made it through, so I guess I have some. <laughs> Maybe I didn't do everything wrong, but I think yeah, stress is a part of life. Uh, it's going to happen whether you're a farmer or not. Uh, I think farmers and farm families tend to have a little extra dose, especially with some of the economic challenges that we've been facing. Um, you know, the, the weather and all those other joys of farm life in there, but yeah, don't be afraid to ask for help. And that is tough. Farmers do not like to do that. Most people don't. And farmers are the worst. Agreed. <laughs> find some, you know, find somebody to confide in. That may not be necessarily, you know, I think, and I kind of think of challenges I've been through again. You know, don't necessarily want to dump on your your close family. You know, you don't, you know, find a, you know, if it's counseling, if it's a pastor, find somebody to confide in that's not going to judge. Admit you're not Superman or Superwoman. I think that's the toughest part that a lot of us face. Um, we try to you know, do everything and be be everything, and nobody can do that. And it's easier said than done. Yeah, oh, it is. Oh, it is. Believe me. I trust me. Um, but ask for help. Don't give yourself a break. <laughs> cut, yes. cut yourself some slack occasionally. There's it, worse things than failure. Yeah. That, and seeing everybody listening, you're hearing from an expert these things. So definitely, you know, take the advice and it's good to hear it. And like you said, having those people in your corners, because farming can be an isolating profession. There's a lot of many, oh, many days where you're not seeing anyone. It and, makes and it extra harder to do and that. I, and I guess I'd say also, yeah, farming can definitely be isolating. That's where... You know, we also can watch out for our neighbors uh, and friends. You know, maybe they won't ask for help, but if you notice a neighbor or a friend that is withdrawn, maybe 
don't know their situation, but figure there may be some challenges there, reach out. I mean, go have a cup of coffee or maybe say an adult beverage, you know, whatever <laughs> is appropriate. I mean, with in moderation, of course. But <laughs> right. we're we're not good at asking for help. So maybe sometimes you just need to make make yourself available for that to, to help somebody else. Um yeah, absolutely. I think that's great advice and something that I know it's a good reminder, if nothing else. Uh, just to to have that. So, and uh, another thing I, I wanted to ask as well, um, you gave a lot of really great website resources during our talk together, but do you have any programs or anything big coming up in the upcoming months? Sure. I'll bring up, I'll, I'll mention a couple things specifically. Yeah. I mentioned our AgAbility program and our national training workshop, which will be in Spokane, Washington in March, the third week of March. If, again, you can visit agribility.org uh, to find details on that, but it's a great opportunity, especially you know, if your family is impacted by disability or you just have an interest, you know, extension educators, we certainly would welcome you. Do you have funds available to help farm family members who are impacted by disability to, to participate? Certainly check that out. Another thing on the safety end I'll mention, we talked a lot about farm safety for kids. We have just recently, I would say, I don't want to say released, it's been more of a re-release of a, an updated program called Gearing Up for Safety, which is a comprehensive farm safety and health training program for or curriculum for 12 to 20-year-olds, basically. Um, young and beginning workers, um, youth, whichever term you want to use. It's been used with everything from middle school to freshmen, sophomores, and college. So a uh, great program if you're an educator or a parent, an employer, and want to provide your uh, young workers a safety training program, I uh, certainly encourage you to go to gearingup.info for that. We have uh, 20 lessons now, I believe, on a variety of different topics, uh, most of which have a full video uh, instructor instruction as well. There's a few that don't, but most have a full video accompaniment. If the teacher wants to take it, take a break for a couple of days and say, here, look, push the button and, and watch the video. There it is. Um, and lots of activities. So we hope to promote that. See that used around, not just Indiana, but around the country. So. Wow. That is, that is great. Thank you so much for sharing all that information. I know I definitely, I I made notes. I want to check out a lot of this stuff. So hopefully those listening can check it out as well and, and get lots of good information. Ed, thank you again for taking the time out of your day to talk to us and again, share that information with us. And thank you all for listening to the Tools for Today's Farmers podcast. If you would like more information about the Purdue Extension Farm Stress Team, Go to extension.purdue.edu slash farmstress, or you can find us on Facebook, Purdue Extension Farm Stress Team. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest, or if you have topics you'd like to suggest for the Tools for Today's Farmer podcast, you can leave us a message on the Farm Stress Team Facebook page. We use the hashtag FarmStrong on our posts to emphasize that the agriculture community is resilient and is strong enough to overcome anything that comes their way. You can share your story of overcoming stress on social media using the hashtag FarmStrong. Thank you again. We're your hosts, Rachel Dillhoff and Abby Heidenreich. Have a great day.